Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, well, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, and with me this week is Julie Randall from Family Promise of Hendricks County. Uh, a local homeless ministry, and we're going to get into exactly what that is, Julie, but welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. Now, this is coffee and conversation, right? And we do have to bring out the elephant in the room, Julie. Uh, and I don't know what it is about my guests, but most of them so far have said, you know what? Not a coffee person, you know? And you're not just not a coffee person. Yeah, I'm just not a caffeine person. You're not a caffeine person. Yeah, not at all. Like, how is that even a thing? I don't know. I've not had caffeine probably in 30 years. 30 years? Yeah, probably since I was in college. Which is hard because you're like 27, right? Yeah, I'm 27. You're 27. Maybe not 30 years, actually. Maybe 20 years. I'm 47. (laughs) Uh, No, so so, wow. I mean, that's, that's... Is it because of like... You just like to be a health nut kind of a thing? Or? Yeah, it was just making me too jittery and hyper, and somebody in college told me I don't need that, and I'm like, okay, I'll stop drinking it, and I just always stuck with it. I all of a sudden, all of my listeners are like, Larry, maybe you should take uh, uh, a hint here. Yeah, I think you that's know. what they were trying to tell me, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've said this a thousand times, caffeine has no effect on me, and you probably would disagree with that, but... Caffeine has no effect on me. I could go to sleep right after a large Oh, that's pot. good. But see, I don't think I could. And I couldn't yeah. back then either. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we do. I do have my coffee uh, with me. And, and, and I did try today. Um, I, I couldn't find my measuring spoon. So I, I just dumped the coffee into the French press without, you know, because I thought I could eye it. You know, I got one good eye, you know. So I thought I could eye it. You know? So I haven't tasted this yet. I could smell it. Uh, so it smells really strong. So we're going to see. But this is uh, our tradition here. What, whatever we have, we have a first sip. Okay. Right? And you have uh, water. Water. And a little, a little hydrogen, a little oxygen. Uh, and so let's take our first sip. All right. That is strong? really, really <laughs> strong. <laughs> okay, future reference. Yeah, it's really black too. <laughs> oh, future reference. Don't do that again. Measure it out. I will finish this cup of coffee though. I might be wired for sound by the end of this, yes, Julie. Right. That, that's, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into uh, go ahead and get into our topic today. Obviously, because of your uh, profession and your career, um, that we're talking about homelessness and the church. This is really the whole season has been the church's response to uh, certain issues. You know, we've talked about race, we've talked about politics, we've talked about mental health. Uh, I even had a friend in here to talk about PTSD, which was a really special episode for me. Um, and and uh, now we want to talk about uh, homelessness and how that impacts. But before we get into your into um, what you do and what Family Promise does, let's get to know you a little bit, Julie. Tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your history. What brought you to this point where you had that heart for other people. Yeah, so I've been a social worker in Hendricks County for about 20 years. I grew up in Danville with my mom and dad and two sisters and brother. I graduated from Danville High School in 1992. Um, When I was in about third or fourth grade, I used to go home with a friend and we went to a nursing home. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah, and we used to go in and paint the fingernails of people that were in the nursing home. And I mean, my favorite part really was that we went to the 
the vending machine and got Hershey bars, but still, it was still really <laughs> So they would give you the money, <laughs> yeah. and then you'd we go, go to, to the Hershey, Hershey bar. Here's a little quarter, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. yeah I got exactly. you. But yeah. we would ride the school bus there, and, you know, like one day a week, and I just, I fell in love with being able to help people. Like, I'd never known that feeling, what it felt like to just give of yourself and have somebody reciprocate that and, and, and be appreciative of that for yes. you. And so... I loved it, um, and so I always knew I kind of wanted to go down that path, and then went to college at Valparaiso University and, so, and studied social work there. Okay. Um, I went there specifically to become a social worker. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then um, my junior year, I uh, well, okay, let me say this first. I didn't really think I was going to be nice enough to be a social worker, <laughs> so I no. got into the social work program, and everybody was, like, so sweet and nice, and I'm like... Ugh, I Which is hilarious, Julie, because like I, I, everyone who knows you I know. would say how sweet you are, right? I mean, that's just like part of yeah. your makeup now, right? Yeah, but I, I probably was then too. I just didn't think I was sweet enough. So, so I, I changed majors to criminal justice, and then I realized that I really didn't belong in that field. You went from social work to criminal yeah. justice. Well, they're kind of the same. Yeah, they just I, kind of have a different endpoint. I, I, okay, touche. It just sounds like I went, I went from. Uh, therapy to uh, you know to uh, to police work. I mean, it was just like yeah, it was that's, kind that's, of a that's a big yeah. In my mind, it was a big jump. It, well, it was for me too. I, yeah. I jumped right back into social work, and then I went to Homestead, Florida, after Hurricane Andrew. Okay, with a big group from um, a big Catholic group from um, um, Valpo, and we were there for two weeks, and I loved it. Like yeah. it was, we were doing the real work. Um, we were building tent cities down there. Oh, that's so cool. Came. It was. And, and so there was a trailer there. So all the, I mean, there was like 200 tents. And then there was this trailer that was air conditioning. And all these other people were suffering in the heat. And in this trailer was a social worker. Um, and there was a long line of people that were waiting to go inside this trailer mm-hmm. um, to meet with this social worker. And because I wasn't studying to be a social worker, I was inside the trailer with her. And I remember looking outside at that line and looking at where we were and thought, Okay, I want to be a social worker. I want to be able to help all these people, but I don't belong in the air conditioning. Right. I belong out there in those tents with those people. Yes. And so yeah. it was like a transformal moment for me. Yeah. And um, I really committed myself to becoming a social worker and being a kind of a grassroots level social worker. So I went to work in a prison. So I actually got my degree in social work, went to work in a prison in Michigan City, um, at Indiana State Prison in Michigan yes. City. Yep. I worked there in discharge planning for a while, came back to Danville. And was a probation officer for a couple of years. And again, this was my too kind, much kindness was too much kindness. And that wasn't really cut out to be a probation officer. And so um, one of the judges, um, Mary Lee Comer, who was um, the judge that I worked for at the time, and this was right after I graduated from college, she told me about a movement in the community to, to start a domestic violence shelter. Yes. And so she said, Julie, this is really something you'd be good at. You should, you should really check it out. Well, believe it or not, that was right here at Cornerstone Christian Church. Um, and so I started to come in for interviews um, for the position of the first director of Sheltering Wings. Yes. Yes. And so I took that position. Um, and that was probably, I don't even know, 19, maybe. Uh, yeah, I was thinking 20 years. 99. Year? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I so I was the original director, and so I served as that director for two years before we even had a building. Okay. So during all that time, I raised the money, you know, got all you the You did the hard support. work. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so then on the day that we broke ground to start the shelter, I had my first baby. And so I thought that I was going to be able to have a baby and be able to do the shelter at the same time, and I just was overwhelmed. I was like, I can't do them both. Yeah. And so that's when I stopped um, with Sheltering Wings and stayed at home with my kids. And for the next 15 years, I was a stay-at-home mom. But during that time, I did a lot of work in the community. So um, I founded the Hendricks County Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Okay. I continued to work strongly with Sheltering Wings. Yes. Started some um, reading programs and feeding programs for kids. So right. I stayed active, um, and then I, which led me to where I am now at Family Promise. Wow. And you've been at Family Promise for how long now? Three years. Three years. Yeah. I still remember the first time you walked in uh, during our, 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 our week. You know, each church for the listener, each church hosts um, the, fam- the families for a week. And you came into our church, and, and I remember just like, yes, this is the right person for this job. Oh, thank yeah, you. so I, I was really you. excited. You, you've been absolutely phenomenal uh, for, for Family Promise for sure. Um, and I love that story of, of you know just how it naturally is has just been a part of your life. You know, I mean it's uh, it, it's true though. You know that as we go through our formative years, these things come out uh, 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 from us that help us to know what we are supposed to do later in life. We have that choice, yes. right, to either follow that or go somewhere else. That's right. You know? And I did. I listened to it. I followed it. I liked the way it felt. I wanted to feel more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to, I, I think that's the secret to everything. Get more of what you like. Yeah. You know? No, I went, my senior year of high school, I helped out the special needs kids, uh, during my, my, uh, study break, uh, because I wanted to be around people that I could help, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, that went from me wanting to be an English teacher to, you know, being a, a pastor, you know, uh, where I am now. That's I mean, great. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it's just it's just so cool to see people using their natural talents and abilities for the reasons that God wants them to use them and I just think it's I just think it's really cool. Well, you have. at this point in my life, I feel like I have no choice but to use them. You know, like I know that I, sometimes I think that sounds like conceited or self-centered, but I feel like I have these abilities to help people in need and yeah. I feel like it's a waste right. if I don't do that. Oh, completely you right. You know, like I need to be doing that. Yeah, completely right. Yeah, it, it, it's um it, it it's the same thing for a lot of people that I know. Like they they say like this is the only thing that makes sense for me mm-hmm. to do and I, I don't know why I would do anything else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about um the the general problem of homelessness first. Yeah. Um you know, because that is, uh, you know, that is a problem here in Hendricks County, but people don't expect that to be a problem here in Hendricks County, right? That, that's exactly right. I mean, you don't think that an affluent community would have a problem with homelessness, and it's not something that we see often. You know, we don't see a lot of people that um, are begging on our street corners or right. living in tent cities. We don't have a lot of that in Hendricks County. Our homelessness looks a little bit different, and typically what it is is it's families that live in their vehicles, um, families that live in motel rooms, mm-hmm. um, families that are doubled up. There are multiple people um, living in a house. You know, a house made for a family of four has, you know, 12 people living in it. Right. Um, those are typically more our situations of homelessness in our community. It's just as severe and it's just as da- damaging. Um, and it just takes a, a kind of a coordinated community response to deal with what those issues are. 
and we have a lot, you know. Yeah. So we receive a, between four to ten crisis calls every day from families that need services because they're experiencing homelessness. Wow. In, a lot of times I think that we think that homelessness is a problem that's just too big for us to solve. Like it's just this big astronomical problem. And I think the perfect example of that we can solve it is what we've done with vets. So homelessness in that community used to be pretty severe. Yeah. You can't find a homeless vet now. And if you do, they're not homeless for long. Right. Um, because we've created programs that provide housing and also provide the support services to keep them in housing. And so I want us to get to that same place with family homelessness. Yes. To say that we're not going to accept that there's any family that's homeless. It was great when we finally got to the point where we're not going to accept a homeless vet. It's not okay in right. our community for there to be a homeless vet. I want us to get to a point where we say it's not okay for there to be a family without a home. Why do you think that is so um, uh, hidden in in our county? Uh, you know, like it's obvious. Uh, you know, in like say Marion County, where Indianapolis is, um, you know, in these bigger cities. Uh, but you know, it, it's very much pushed under the rug. Seems like why 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 isn't this such a more prevalent? issue for us in this community well because often honestly it's because we don't see it so if we don't see it we don't know that it's there and if you're not frequently frequently the the local motels in brownsburg or plainfeld or avon you're not going to see it you know what happens excuse me to a lot of families is that they stay in their cars outside of their employers Mm. and so you may not if you don't go to those warehouses or those places of business you're just not seeing it as much right so what what would you (coughs) i'm sure you i I don't know if you have numbers or not, but percentage-wise, what's the percentage of our residents in, in, in Hendricks County? So right now, one in four families in Hendricks County are struggle to meet their basic needs of food, housing, childcare, and transportation. 25%. One in four, yes, exactly. And so it's big, and that's a yeah. big number, and those are the numbers that we're seeing every day. But that Because you compare it to the unemployment rate in our town. Oh. Our unemployment rate is less than 10%, is it not? Right. So this is the working poor. Again, they don't look like they typically do. This is your clerk at your convenience store. This Mm -hmm. is the guy mowing your grass. This is your waitress at a restaurant. Right. These are the people that are homeless. Most of the families that we work with work one to two jobs just to make ends meet. And then they're not even able to make ends meet at that. So we've kind of got a perfect storm in Hendricks County. And this is how it's always been in our community. So I don't want you to think this is new or this is different. This is how it's always been. We've basically had four main barriers that create and perpetuate homelessness in our community. And these have been throughout our time in Hendricks County. Um, And the first is a lack of affordable housing. So we do live in an affluent community, and so housing prices are high. And when housing prices are high, so are rentals. And so most poor people can only afford to be in rentals. But the rent for those rentals is too high. And so they're not able to afford the apartments that are out there um, with their salary or with the money that they make. But there also is not enough. So there's not enough affordable housing. To, yeah. to do that. that. I mean, that, that makes that makes I mean absolute sense. You know, but I, I I've heard the arguments, right? I, you know, for all this, is someone would say, well, isn't there plenty of Section Eight housing uh, within the community that these families can be a part of? Right. So we actually, Section 8 looks a lot different than it used to. Now there's housing vouchers that you use. So we don't actually have any apartment buildings or houses that are actually called Section 8 
you get vouchers from the federal government okay. um, that you can take to any landlord at all, and they can use that for a rent for, to help with their rent. So our wait list um, in Hendricks County is two years long. Oh just wow! To be, yeah, and usually by then you don't need it, or you've moved on, or life has changed. I mean, yeah. two years—that's a long time. Yeah. To to be without a place to live right. in a community. So there's just there's there's not enough places for people to live, and you know. Even people who make a decent income have a hard time finding rentals in our right. community. It, there's just not enough housing that's available. So, so what prevents them from just going to a different community? What, what prevents them from going to Marion County? Or and that happens. I mean, uh, that does happen. That they have to go to Marion County to find housing. But yeah. this is their community. This is where they're raising their families. This yes. Is, where yeah. they should have the opportunity to be able to raise your family. I don't think we're the type of a community that needs to say, you need to make this much money and have this much property to be part of our community. I agree wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate I like here. it. That's fine. Uh, you know, uh, that I, I, I still remember, um, you know, talking to the very first time we had the families here. And we've been doing this now as a church, our church. For three years, I want to think. This yeah. is our third year. Yeah. Uh, and I remember the first families coming in and uh, and, them, and them telling us that we want to be here because this is where our kids go to school. Mm-hmm. And we don't, want to, we don't want to deprive our kids of a good education, you right. know. Um, not to say that, there's, that other communities have poor education, but this is where, you know, Brownsburg's a top-rated school. And this, right. is where they, this is where they lived before they ran into whatever problem or issue caused their homelessness. And... They want to stay there. That's exactly right. And they should get to. And they're working yeah. in our community, yeah. too, which is another one of the big barriers that's created um, the homelessness that we have. And that's, you know, low education. And unfortunately, they're not able to have living wage jobs. So they're able to get jobs in these great warehouses. Back when I was a probation officer, you know, we used to, my probationers would come in. We'd sit across the desk just like you and I are right now. And I'd say, okay, did you get a job last month? And they'd say, no, I didn't. There's no jobs in Hendricks County, and I don't have a car to get to Indianapolis. You know, what am I supposed to do? Well, now in Hendricks County, you, you've got a job everywhere. You, yes. I mean, there's jobs, there's jobs, there's more jobs. The problem is, is those jobs are not living wage jobs. So people can go to those jobs, work 40 and 50 hours a week, and still not en- make enough to pay for rent in our community. What's the solution then to that? We need more living wage. We need more affordable housing, and we yeah. need jobs that pay more. Um, yeah. And then you factor in childcare. So that's another big thing. So we have a lot of single moms that go through our program. And right. they, I mean, they want to work, but they can't afford childcare and be able to pay for rent on, on jobs now, that aren't living wage. Can't they, can't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is just, you know, some of this is brand new to me, right, as far as, uh, you know, what's available. But aren't there vouchers one could get for babysitting in the state yeah. of Indiana? So it's called CCDF, mm-hmm. um, and they do. So if you if your income is at a certain level, you'll qualify for these free vouchers. Unfortunately, the wait list for that is incredibly long. Really? There's a wait list for the vouchers? There's a wait list. Oh, yeah. There's a wait list for the vouchers. So And so that makes it really difficult sure. for these moms, too. So we help everyone get to that point. Yeah. So we help them apply for vouchers and get on that waiting list. And then we have a, a, a partnership with St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Plainfield, and they help us with child care. So all of our families go to St. Mark's for free for child care. And that kind of bridges that gap until we can get them into CCDF, yeah. and then they can then they can be in a bigger child program. I love that. Program. I mean, I yeah. absolutely love that. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I had a question and it just completely Sorry. blank. No, 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 not your fault. I, that's it, that, that's all my fault. Uh, so that was it was three, three of the pillars, yeah, right? So, so what's the fourth pillar? So the fourth is so reviewing affordable housing is number one. Yeah. Um, affordable, accessible childcare. Yeah. Living wage jobs, yep. and the fourth is not going to be a surprise to anybody, but it's transportation. Oh yeah. So you know what happens when you're poor is you just don't have vehicles that are more than five or five hundred to thousand dollars. You drive them as long as you can, and they break down, and then you have to start all over again. Um, and so that is a huge barrier um, for families in our community. Um, without public transportation, um, it's nearly impossible to be able to get around and get to jobs and appointments and, and, and help your children grow without yeah. a vehicle. Yeah. Um, and so um, that's another huge barrier. So, so um, I've heard this argument again um, you know, towards this is that if people were ju- would just learn how to make wiser decisions they wouldn't be homeless. Right. You know, they wouldn't buy the bad cars. They wouldn't get the, the poor jobs. They wouldn't, if they knew how to work a budget, mm-hmm. you know, well, how do you respond to that? If it was only that simple. I know, it, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> seriously, if, that, if it was that fixable, we could do it. So yeah. two things have to happen. So at the micro level, we have to deal with all those small things that are going on with the family. So we need to make sure they have a car. We need to make sure they have a job. We need to make sure they have housing. We need all those things. And those things we can get we can get in the short term. But what happens is, is when you do all of those things in a community that doesn't have the infrastructure to support those things, yeah. it's all going to fall apart again. Right. So we have to be doing two things at the same time. We got to deal with all those micro level issues with that family, but we also have to look at the macro level. Yeah. We have to look at our systems. We have to have systematic change within that structure. That means we got to create more affordable housing. Right. We have to do it. We have to create more opportunities for people to have jobs that can, they can afford to live in our community and have. We have to have some kind of transportation. We have to have childcare. We have to fix those four barriers before any of the little stuff that we're doing with these families um, will make a difference. So how does Family Promise then help to uh, tear down those four barriers. Yeah, and that's what we do every day. Yeah. So again, we're working on customized solutions for the individual family, but we're also working on, with our local government to talk about affordable housing. We have relationships with about 20, 25 different landlords in Hendricks County that are willing to rent to our families. So one of the things that we talk about with affordable housing is there's not enough, but there's also these barriers to get into the housing. So because there's not enough, landlords get to be really choosy with who they rent to. So that means if you have a prior eviction or bad credit or a felony, you're automatically excluded from housing. And so right now we have a list of about 30 families that need housing, but all of them have prior evictions. And so we can't, we're having a really hard time finding a home for them. Yeah. Again, but we have these landlords that we go back to every time. So if anybody's listening out there that, that has properties or knows people that have properties, we have a program called the Family Stability Program where we actually partner with landlords to say, hey, if you'll rent to our families, even though they've had past evictions or other barriers, when you have another family and another unit, we'll help prevent their homelessness. Yeah. So if you're about to evict somebody else, let us know and we'll come in and work with that family. Oh, that's great. Yeah, to keep them in their home. So if we can prevent homelessness, yep. we're even in a better spot. Oh, so I we work it. those kind of angles. We work, we, you know, anytime I can talk about affordable housing, I talk about it. It's not a scary, bad thing in our community. It's not bringing in bad elements. It's helping the people that are already here live more stable, productive lives, which is be- the best for all of us. Now, I remember uh, you, br- you, you mentioned about this community response, mm-hmm. you know, 
I remember when you guys were moving into the, uh, to the, your previous um, house, uh, your, not house, but office. Resource center. Yeah, resource center. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, your previous resource center. And I remember seeing the conversation on Facebook, mm-hmm. the chatter groups, which we won't go into. But, uh, <laughs> but I remember them, there being a lot of um, vitriol towards, the, uh, t- towards uh, what you guys are doing and having the homeless uh, in, those, in those centers. What did you guys do to uh, fight that um, shallow thinking? Yeah. We'll and you know it is—it's the not in my backyard mentality. Right. Yeah. And, and 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 I get it. I mean, I understand the thought process. It's just that they don't understand the facts. You yeah. know, these aren't people that with have these long, extensive criminal records that are going to come in and hurt their neighborhoods or bring drugs and other problems into your neighborhood. These are people that are already part of our community that you're around every day. You know, these children are in your in your children's classrooms in school. They're in your churches. They're part of your community. Yes. These are just families that are struggling. And that's what homelessness looks like here. I mean, sure, there is chronically mental ill. Um, there are people with substance abuse. I mean, that is a segment of homelessness, but that's not the biggest segment. And that's not the families that we're necessarily working with. Right. Typically, the families that we're working with are people that I've just lived paycheck to paycheck for too long and finally ran out of luck um, or had something happen in their lives. You know, like we just had a a mom with two kids that um, left a husband that it wasn't a good relationship. It wasn't abusive, but it wasn't stable either. And so she was trying to live in a motel until she had enough money to get her own place. But there's a vicious cycle in the motel process because you never, ever get enough to get out of that situation. Um, And so she was having to live in her car. Um, and she t- there's a children's shelter in Indianapolis, so she'd take her children to the children's shelter, let them sleep in there at night. She'd sleep outside in her car and then be reunited with them the next oh morning. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so she did that for a month before she found Family Promise. Oh, wow. And so immediately we got them in a hotel on our dime. On yeah. our, our st- We have another program called the Stability Builders Network, and we right. got her in a, in a hotel. And in three weeks... She moved into her own apartment. You know, we were able to provide childcare for her children. We were able to, you know, help her get a better job. And now she's in her own home. And yeah. so, I mean, and, and so this is just a normal person who's part of our community right. that just got behind or had a had a life change, a medical bill, or car breakdown. Um, and again, one in four families can fall victim to this at any time. Right, and, and and I think the point you're making, which I think we need to hear over and over again, is this is. It's not laziness. It's not. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily addiction or mental health issues. It's just somebody who had something bad happen where they you know where, where they lost their home and they're trying to get back on their feet. They just need that little push. Right. That they need someone to you know to guide them through this process because government red tape red tape is 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 tremendous. And it's stressful, you know. I mean, anybody listening to this, if you ever gone through a loan, if you have ever had to, you know, get financial aid, if you ever go, if you ever ever had to go to the government for anything, we all know how difficult and stressful it could be. You know, intensify that with somebody who can't get their kids food or shelter, you know, and the stress that comes along with that. And of course, they're going to make hard decisions that, you know, and maybe not even the best decisions. 
Because they're not thinking straight at the time. They just need someone to help them through it, right? That's exactly that's exactly what it is. And we we hold their hand. Yeah. So you know, a lot. I always tell this little story. I don't always tell a story, but back when I was in social work school, it wasn't always the philosophy. You kind of had a box, and you put everything in this box. You put in here's your childcare, here's your housing, here's your food stamps, and put a little bow on it, and you used to hand it yep. to the woman or the man and say, okay, now you're empowered. Go to it. The reality is that just doesn't work. Um, and we, we've learned that. I mean, I've made lots of mistakes in the last 20 years. And I feel like we're finally to a place now where we realize what we need to do as a community and as, as an organization to, to, to be able to advance people and get them out of this cycle, yeah. create that long-term stability. And holding their hand and walking them through the process is intricate to their success. I mean, yeah, because I, I, I mean, in my experience of trying to, you know, get through uh, different government agencies for certain di- for certain things that, you know, that we've had to deal with, you know, there's a whole bunch of self-motivation required. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're mentally not in the right place, stress can just kill self-motivation. Absolutely. And, and so you need somebody, you know, who doesn't need a friend? That's right. Right? And Family Promise offers that friendship. Yeah. In a way, right? Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the, continue this down this road of response, you know, because one of the things that obviously we wanted to talk about is the church's response Mm -hmm. to to homelessness. Um, How has the church, in either a good way or a, a, a bad way, however, you know, whatever answer, you know, you see, be honest and transparent. Um, how has the church responded to family promise and to homelessness in this community? The churches overall have been amazing in yeah. our community. I mean, hands down, it's been wonderful. It's been amazing. So we're supported by about 24 different churches in Hendricks County. And when I say supported, I say they open up their doors and they allow our families to live with them for a week. So you can't be more supportive than that. Um, we have a model that's more cost effective than a lot. Um, sure. So we don't have a traditional shelter where everybody kind of hangs out and waits for life to get better. Um, instead, we have a resource center, and that's where our families are during the day and it's in Plainfield on North Vine Street that's where they are during the day if they're not at work or at school or at appointments um, but in the evenings from about 5 to 6 in the evening until 6:30 the next morning they're in churches um, so each church like Cornerstone has four weeks a year that they open their doors up to our families for um, and and during that time you know they provide di- dinner and they hang out with the families and each family has their own room in the church yep. which is really cool and you can talk about that yourself since it happens here but and that room becomes their home for the week where they keep their belongings and they really do consider the church their home um, at, when I first learned about this model so I was on the original board of directors for family promise okay. as well yeah and and I was I was a little concerned because I thought that it was pretty unstable and worried that you know it would just be a little too crazy for the kiddos mm-hmm. um, the reality is it works beautifully first right. off it makes sure nobody gets that comfortable exactly. and so they want to keep moving but more than that is they are absolutely filled up with love at these churches yes every time um, it, it's amazing I feel like that's the real change that happens with people um, is when they get love from people and don't have to give anything back in return they can just accept that love is pretty powerful and most of our families don't know what that has felt well, like you know, the funny thing is is that it's equally as transformative for the churches you know and you and i have talked about this yeah um quite extensively over the last three years what family promise has done for cornerstone has been phenomenal you know uh to see people three years ago a little hesitant you know still willing our church has always been a willing church but uh, a little hesitant at times 
to fully embracing this ministry uh, and loving on these people. And every year, every time you guys come, uh, we always have something extra that another person in the church says, I want to start doing that. Uh, you know, uh, we just recently had a person say, I'm going to start buying you know, small little, you know, gifts for the kids every time they're here, just so they know that someone's thinking about them and praying. And it's so, you're right, it's just and sweet, you know, and, and to have, you know, and, and to buy a, you know, a candy bar, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, for the adults or to get them their, their drink of choice for a week. Right, you and, but you guys have done the big things too. Yeah. So like people in your church have embraced what we do. And so you have people here who have donated cars to us. Yeah. You've had people here that have offered, you know, that own companies and offer employment to yeah. our families. And even, you know, you have a realtor that goes to this company that's, or goes to this church that's neck calls me consistently with great ideas that he has to want to help these families. I mean, seriously. So it's, it's given people in the churches an opportunity to practice love. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's what it's all about. And, and it's that unconditional kind of love. So I always, and when I talk about a criticism for the churches, this yeah. is, this is kind of a criticism and optimism at the same time. Sometimes it's really either, you know, there's different definitions of love, right? Yeah. There's the romantic hallmark, Cheap kind of love, right? (laughs) That's easy to get, that Uh and easy to go kind Uh of thing, right? So there's that kind of love. And then, you know, there's the bigger love. And a lot of times we just focus on that that small love. And there's this bigger love that I think that all of us need to work harder to get to. And where our homelessness people, these people that we work with, they're on the very edges, the very fringes of that love, yeah. where it's harder to get to that point within ourselves to love. It's, it's easy to stay right in the middle, but it's hard to get out to those edges. And that's kind of where we exist as an organization and, and where these families are for us to love. Yeah. So it's easy to love the person in the pew next to you. Yes. It's even easy to, lo- easy to love somebody who walks into the food pantry because you're only there with them for a little while. Right. It's harder to love somebody that you have to actually give to yes and so this gives you an opportunity to love on the fringes to love on the edges to do the stuff that's really transformed life the hardest thing for any church to do or any christian to do really um is to get their hands dirty you know just to get down into the the murkiness of life of somebody uh and live there you know we're, we're willing to throw money at it we're, we're willing to volunteer um, you know, on a regular basis, but to actually live that with that person, help pull them out and to guide them to, to a better life yeah. is so difficult because people get burned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, before I came to this church, um, my previous church was in a very poor community. Uh, and, uh, and it was probably, you know, and I'm just, I don't know the actual numbers, but I'm guessing 70%, uh, impoverished 30% non, right? There was no middle class. You were either well off or you were not well off. And, and, and it, it, it was, it was like living in two different communities. Yeah. You know, the church was full of, you know, the affluent and the non-churched were not, mm-hmm. you know, and to see that kind of separation, you know, and, and, you know, we started bringing those people together and wouldn't you know it, um, 
you know, uh, some of those people kind of rejected that. And it, it just gets hard, you know? It's hard. And the reason it's hard is because we have expectations. Like, I think about this in most things in life. Isn't it always our expectations that burn us? When you have these expectations that things should go a certain way or life should go yeah. a certain way, that's always when you get hurt. Well, I think a lot of times volunteers do the same thing. Yes. Like, as a volunteer, you have an expectation of what you're going to get out of it. Right. And you can't walk into it that way. You have to give and you have to love and not get anything back from that. That's, and that is a hard thing to yeah, do. Yeah, that's unconditional love, it right? Is. Love that's without exactly. conditions, right? right? Uh, and, and that's what the church needs to learn to do. So, yes. you know, um, what do you then recommend for churches um, or for Christians in general mm -hmm. um, or people? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that's not even put the Christian tag on it. Yeah. What do you recommend for people to do? in order for them to um, to get their hands dirty, yeah. to get into this life and, and well, to help these people. Yeah, and, and it's easy. So this you may, you may be hearing this and think, well, I don't even live close enough to a family promise or, you know, this I can't fit this into my life. But what you can fit into your life is empathy. Yeah. And that is the key to all of this. Yes. That fixes so many problems. If you can just be empathetic, and that means just put yourself in that person's shoes for just a few minutes. See the world the way they see it, yep. feel the way they feel it, it will make a world of difference. And honestly, that empathy spreads and, and it contaminates everything around it. And, and, and what it does is it brings other people up. Yeah. When you can have empathy, it brings other people up. So take those opportunities to love when it's hard. Don't back away from them. Do the hard stuff. Do the things that make you uncomfortable to get deeper. If your true motivation is to improve our community, improve these lives, to be more Jesus-like, this is what you got to do. Yeah, and, and I think the way that we get that empathy is just simple conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, sitting down with them, hearing their story, what they want to share, mm -hmm. without an agenda, without trying to push them towards, you know, your perspective, without correcting, but just simply listening. Yeah. You know? Uh, that is one of the things that I love to do, you know, um, when sometimes when the families come early, you know, and it's just me and them and I'm waiting for volunteers, we'll just talk like, how was your day? How was work? And, and they'll have, they'll just, they'll just pour out. And it's funny how many people will talk if they know you were going to listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's how we get empathy. You do. And, and teach your children to be empathetic. Oh, yeah. that, and that's just, it's so important. And I know a lot of people who are part of the church already have that as part of who they are. You know, I get that. But it's also something you can practice. And it's yes. something that you can teach others to be empathetic to. And it makes a big difference. And I want to say one more thing about yeah. what you were just talking about. That I think that oftentimes we think we know how to fix other people's problems. Yep. We think that if you do X, Y, Z, this is going to make your life better. And at Family Promise, and for me personally as a social worker, I don't do that. Um, I really, really look at what each individual needs. And that's part of being empathetic too. And that's yep. part of loving on the fringes. And that's part of not projecting what I think is this upper white middle class woman who's never had a worry in her life. Why do I think I know what's best for someone who's had a down and out their whole lives, you know? Yeah. And so we really listen and really learn and, and we really try and let them lead their own way to create that stability. So one of the, um, one of the, I don't know, issue, problem or difficulties, that's probably a better word. Uh, one of the difficulties that I, that has been expressed to me through other Christians throughout the years, people with well-intentioned hearts, um, is the problem of how much help is too much help. At what point do we cross the line 
from helping to enabling. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how does, uh, what do you suggest for that to kind of discern that, number one, number two, how does Family Promise make sure that they're not just enabling their clients? Yeah, so those that's really important. There's this big t- push called toxic Christianity, yeah. toxic charity, where you know, you're just trying to put a Band-Aid on a problem, you're trying to do what makes you feel good, you start another food pantry, you, you keep doing things that while they're nice and they're good, they're really just making the situation more comfortable and bearable right. instead of solving the problem. Yeah. So, uh, And that's what we try to avoid at Family Promise. Yeah, so, right. and, and we do a lot of that, is, is that we do work on the things that we're gonna lift them out of that situation, not just keep enabling that, that situation. So we call them Band-Aids, and they're yeah. easy to do Band-Aids, right? It's easy to throw a little rent money here and there it's easy to pay utility bill but there's a lot underneath all of that and so families are referred to family promise and we um, do a needs assessment to uh, you know learn what their problem is assess exactly what's going on Um, so they come to us because they need help with their rent but really mom needs childcare so that she can go to work or really they need this or they need that and so we're able to make those differences so it you know be conscious be intentional about the programs that you support to make sure they're doing those kind of things so would you say then that uh, let's say um you know jane and john right married couple they they run into uh, a family who is struggling and they they want to help would you recommend a uh, them handling that on their own and working through the process with them one-on-one or like a two-on-two, whatever? Um, or would you say, you know, it's probably best to bring them to an organization like Family Promise so that we can we can assess properly and get them connected yeah. to the right channels and give them more long-term help? Which one? I mean, is, is it's it both. both. It's both. I mean, it's absolutely both. You, you get them hooked up with Family Promise because that they're not going to know the resources that are in the community right. like we would and be able to help them that. But having having somebody to walk beside them, an ally for them, to be able to receive the services that they receive from us, but at the same time have somebody else that's walking with them and fighting for them is incredibly powerful. Yeah, and you know, it's really funny. I was not meaning to go here with this, but... Uh, when you said, you know, when you said someone to walk alongside of them during this whole thing, I mean, that's exactly what the church is called to do. You know, uh, we, one of the biggest mistakes the church has made over the last hundred years is that we tried to be the counselors when we're not skilled to be so, right? Uh, and so now, nowadays, many churches have learned you don't do therapy, right? Uh, but, uh, at least they should learn if they haven't. So let's put, let's put that caveat there. Uh, but... Uh, instead, you know, we call up, say, Care to Change and the work that they're doing, phenomenal here in the county, right? Um, and, and we say to that person, this is where you will get the right kind of help, but we're not abandoning you. We're going to walk alongside of you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to, you know, uh, you know, be your friend throughout this process and whatever you need, just let us know. Right. right, and that's what we're calling. That's what we're calling uh, all people to do. That's right. It's that's simply right. just walking alongside of them, right? So, so your advice then is to walk alongside of them. Absolutely, and support things in the community that end homelessness. Yes. So be okay with affordable housing. Yes. You know, if you have a card and you no longer use it, donate it. Know that it's going to go somewhere that's really going to have an impact on someone. Don't be afraid to drive a family to an appointment or or you know, do the things that that really matter you know it's great 
to collect food and make blankets and take them downtown Indianapolis to the homeless living on the streets. That's great, but that's not going to end homelessness. Right. Instead, do the things that you know will end it. End it. And, and that's really what we're all about at Family Promise. It's the long-term game. It is. The long game rather than the short game. It is. Yeah. It's fixing the problem game. Right. You know, it's not just letting it go. But let me tell you, I've done the fixing problem year, for years, you know, just throwing a Band-Aid on it hoping things get better instead of doing the real hard work to ensure that it stays better. Do you believe, and, and 100% honesty, do you believe that we can end homelessness um, in this county, in this community, within our lifetimes? Absolutely, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'm going to make sure we do. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to make sure we do. And, and that's, and I, of course, I knew the answer to that question, right. really. I was, you just wanted to hear it, I, I suppose. I, well, yeah, because, because listen, we, we, we forget about the hope. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have hope, what are we doing? Right. Why are we doing this? If, right. I, if I truly did not believe that I was going to win a football game, why would I play football, mm-hmm. right? The reason why I don't do sports is because I know I'm not going to be any good at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't do things just to do things if I, if, competitively, you know? And, and it's like, like the church. I'm not a pastor because I, I, because I want a paycheck. Right. I'm a pastor because I believe that we can have 100% of people in this community come, come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You're at Family Promise because you believe that the work that you do will eradicate homelessness within our community and, and and you know that's that's that has to be part of that that passion needs to be part of who we are right uh and and for the church and this is why i bring this up is that we need to have that same type of passion for uh the people who need help that the things that we do are for a reason that's right you know there's an end game here that's right you know, and, and we need to be heavenly involved in that. That's right. That's right. And we are grateful for all that involvement because there's been so much and there's so many doing so much. And, and, and we couldn't do it without everybody yeah. being on the same page and everybody working towards it. Acknowledging that we have a problem, obviously the first step, right? We need yeah. to say, okay, homelessness really does exist in our community and there really are things that we can do to fix it. And getting on that, getting on that bandwagon and working hard to fix those problems and yeah. doing the uncomfortable things. How, how many, do you, I, I, if I would have done my homework, if I was a good host, nah. Julie, I would have done my homework here. <laughs> do you know how many churches are in our county? Oh, no, a lot. A lot. More than 24, right? Oh, way more than 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine what would it would be like yeah. if 100% of our churches yeah. said, yeah, we'll do this. Four weeks out of the year. I mean, honestly, this is one of my easier uh, ministries to, to uh, get volunteer support for. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I have no issues. And I know that's not true of every church. I get that. Mm-hmm. Right? But our, our, our church, we, have, we don't have that issue. Yeah. You know, we, we just handle it, right? And imagine if 100% of churches are like, yeah, we'll take it. Take it. That would be amazing. And, and, and a lot of these churches are empty. I mean, this is yeah. how the whole concept started, you know, that there's not going a lot going on throughout the week. And, you know, that's why we show up on Sunday evening and we leave Sunday the right. next Sunday morning so that we're not here during that time period. Yeah, well, exactly right. I mean, you know, when the offices are open, you know, they're, you know, they're at the resource center. But in the evenings when there's not a lot going on, you know, they can have they can have that space, and if there is yeah. something going on, great. Then they can join it. Oh, which is that's why just, we love Cornerstone because you always have something going on. Which is <laughs> I mean, just like like the most obvious thing. Like you know, uh, at first it was a happy accident. We right. Were, we were like, oh no, we forgot we have uh, our our big spaghetti fundraiser and uh, our family fun night, and I'm like, great. 
They get a free meal, you know, we don't have to volunteer, we don't have to man volunteers for, and their kids get to jump on bounce houses and give their parents a break. And so now intentionally, every year, we schedule our Family Promise Week for that week. That's so good. You know, so yeah. it, it, it takes care of it, you know? It and, does. And it's in every holiday, and this has been the, the big, what do you do during holidays? Well, every holiday is another chance to celebrate and let them have some normalcy in their lives. And so we, we usually just throw parties. So I mean, how much fun is it just to throw a party, you know? It, so, is. Anyway. it is. It is. And when you are poor yeah. and when you are struggling, things like that are not easy to come by. Exactly. You don't get that time with your family necessarily. Yeah. You don't get to have that feeling. And yeah. so creating that is, is pretty amazing. I, okay. We're going to we're gonna wrap this up. Um, but I do want to share one story. I, and this, is, this has been my funnest story here lately. I don't think you know this one. I yet. don't know. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if I told you this or not. I think I might have last week. But... Uh, when we were talking about this, but uh, uh, there has been one person, I won't give out her name, obviously, for obvious reasons, um, but there has been one one person she, who has kids, I think she was our first family, one of our first residents here uh, that we hosted, uh, that, ha- that has been popping up in the community at random times, um, and, and she has, every time I see her, she just throws her arms up in the air and just runs over and hugs and says, I'm just so happy that to see you. And she will tell me about how her life is going, how her job is going, how her kids are doing, you know. Um, and, and the most recent one, because uh, I see her all the time in this community, the most recent one, we were, I was at a stoplight on, 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 a road, on a major road here, and she pulls up next to me. Because I have a very distinctive car. It's a beat-up blue van, right? So, uh, so she drives up next to me, and she rolls down her window, and she goes, Pastor Larry! You know? And, and, and I kid you not, we were talking, the light turns green, and she ain't moving. Like, this car honks at her. I go, you have to go. This is traffic, right? Uh, and, and I was like, but thank you for stopping. She moved on. And you can't help but to feel good, right? Because yeah. you know that you're making an impact for someone to stop in the traffic, Yes. You know, just to say hi. You yes. know, and this is what churches, uh, this is the benefit that, that people can have. You know, we don't do it for the warm fuzzies, right? We don't. We do it because we're helping them, right? right. But the warm fuzzies are a part of they it. They come. They come. Yeah. yeah. And you just, you're just like, yeah, you know? And, and she's not the only person I've seen, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I've gone to restaurants and seen people working at restaurants, and they're like, you know, one you know, ran across the counter. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's just so much fun to see these people. Out in the community. Well, they and, are our community. Yeah. They're part of our community. Exactly. And you don't have to bring, oh, I saw you at Family Promise. You don't ever bring that those details up. Right. But you say, it's just so good to see you, you know, right. and, and, and let them know because that means they're doing well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the benefit of Family Promise. I'm so grateful for the work oh, that you do. Thank you. I mean, in all honesty, when I, when, when, I, when I got here and I first heard about this ministry, I was like, sign us up, oh. you know, because this has been... You know, I believe wholeheartedly in this kind of ministry. Thank you. Uh, and, and whatever uh, we can do, and if you're listening to this uh, and you want to help, Julie, if they want to help you and Family Promise, how do they get a hold of Family Promise to, to volunteer? Well, they can call me. It's 317-694-5097. Um, you can also find us at familypromisehendrickscounty.org. Okay. Um, and that has all of our information on there, too. And we would love for people to be involved in it. Big ways, small ways, every way makes an impact. So we'd be grateful. Awesome. Awesome. If somebody's listening and they need help and they want Family Promise to 
to be their advocate. Yes. How do they how yeah. do they get help? So there's two ways that we can help. So if you're completely homeless, we can provide housing for you um, and get you off your street, off the streets or out the car or out of the hotel or any of those kind of things and then create permanent housing for you. But if you're also struggling, and this is probably about 70% of the families that we work with are people that are in a home right now that are about to be evicted. Okay. So if, if, you, if you're having trouble with your rent or your utilities or any of those kind of things and you're about to lose your home, you can contact Family Promise as well. And again, we'll help prevent that eviction. We'll help prevent your homelessness and keep you in your home. And so that phone number is 317-296-3742 and you can also find us on familypromisehendrickscounty.org awesome awesome well again uh thank you so much and and thank you all for listening today um if you uh, are interested in attending uh cornerstone cornerstone is the one and only sponsor of this podcast <laughs> Um, then please feel free to uh, to join us each and every Sunday. I'm glad somebody laughs at my jokes. Uh, each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 in the morning, uh, you can find us online at cornerstonerock.org or on our Facebook page at CCC Brownsburg. And if you like the podcast, please make sure to uh, find us on iTunes to uh, share and subscribe and review us because that is how we get new listeners is through many, 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 many reviews. Uh, we will be tagging Family Promise into this on the on the Facebook page. Um, so you can also play, click on the uh, tag there on Facebook. It'll directly take you to their Facebook page. You guys have a Facebook oh, page? Oh, yes. Yeah. Very much. Um, so we'll make sure we tag you on that. Uh, that way you can also find them pretty easily with a click. All right? Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for joining the podcast. We will see you next time uh, on Coffee and Conversation.